0: Well, there are so many great Big 12 games this week. I mean, you can't deny it. You look at the schedule. You got Texas-Bama. You got Baylor-Utah. The list goes on. But to me, one of the most underrated rivalries in all of college football is Cy Hawk. Iowa State is hosting Iowa this year. The game is in Ames. And uh, boy, there is a lot to get into on this one. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Great to have you on board. And uh, we are thrilled to welcome on and say hello to Trent Condon. He is uh, one half of the Miller and Condon duo on KXNO radio up there in Des Moines, and uh, we are now an affiliate with KXNO as well. They're airing this show on Saturday morning, so I know many of you are on the podcast and uh, you're on different platforms, but we also have our radio affiliates around the entire uh, Big 12 country. So, Trent, welcome in. Uh, just take us through Cyhawk Week for those that are on the outside looking in. What makes this week? so special in that state with these two teams?
1: You know, it's such a huge thing. And and where I am in Des Moines, it's the biggest game. It's the rivalry game. You know, people on the other side of the state, on the east side, for them, maybe you live in the Quad Cities. And for Hawkeye fans over there, it's Illinois. Or if you're up in Dubuque, it's Wisconsin. Where I grew up, it was Minnesota and North Iowa. But right here in the capital, in the biggest city in the state, there's no doubt it is Iowa, Iowa State. And the importance of this game every single week of the year it shows up in a big time way this week but it never ends and the rivalry it's the people you work with it's the people you grew up with everybody has a side and it's definitely something special that we have we're happy even with the two teams in different conferences as they've been for the better part of the last hundred years that we still get this game after it came back in the late 70s and we've got it every single year it's been something great it really has and and obviously iowa state after the 15-year run where Iowa dominated the series through the 80s and into the late 90s. Now that this is a rivalry again, when Iowa State ended that streak, it it has made this game a whole lot different, and it's made a lot more fun for the whole state.
0: Yeah, it certainly looks that way from afar here in Kansas City, where I'm located. Now, you know, it's interesting, too, uh, for those that don't know. I mean, it's a big uh, political time in that state as the first primary state as well, and of course, a presidential year next year. And not trying to dive into the politics at all, but just curious how, when you have presidential candidates who are going to be up there at the game, around the game, I mean, what does that do outside of making it inconvenient for fans trying to get into the game, which I imagine is a headache for a lot of people?
1: It absolutely is. And it's actually turned into a big conversation piece because Iowa State last week with their home opener against you and I. That game, it was very difficult for people to get in as they kind of changed the ticketing and the way people got in and how they had to scan their electric tickets, and and it turned into a mess. And there were tens of thousands of people that weren't able to get inside the stadium before kickoff. Well, now you add another layer into it this week with not just former President Trump coming in, but also Hutchinson's going to be there. Ramaswamy's going to be here. So, you got all these candidates, of course, with the election around the corner. Everybody wants to have their face out there. And it's not just going to be Trump, it's going to be a multitude, going to make it even more difficult, more security. For the media members like you and I, Pete, that means you're probably going to have to give yourself more time to get there and try to get in and go through security. So and this is going to be a big headache for everybody. And though maybe it'll be cool to have one of those candidates come by your tailgate and, and get to take a picture, there's going to be a lot of headaches that also come along with it.
0: Uh, that's, that's what I kept thinking about, the headaches that got to come along with it. Um, now, it's so interesting because – if there was a um, if there was a part of Matt Campbell's resume during his time at Iowa State that was missing, it was that win over Iowa. He gets it last year, but then he goes on to have his worst season uh, that he's had since joining the big 12 with only one winning conference play, worse than his first year when he won two games in conference play. So I, you know, they look good in the in, in week one, but of course, it was Northern Iowa. Um, you've got the gambling drama that's surrounding, interestingly, both of these teams, maybe more so Iowa State. So what's I mean, what's the vibe in Ames in particular around this week, this game, the start of this season based on what has been, uh, frankly, a tough nine to ten months?
1: You know, hopefulness, I think, has come out of this one. And now getting the game back at home, you look at the series and you look at the history and, of course. Iowa State won the game last year in Iowa City. Their last three victories in this series all came in Iowa City. The last time they won at Jack Trice Stadium was 2011. There's been big games. Game day was there a couple of years ago for this game, and Iowa found a way to get the victory late. So because of that, getting that win and being able to do it, you know, with 60,000 of your brethren shoulder-to-shoulder inside of Jack Trice Stadium, that's something that they haven't been able to feel. Though eight ten thousand people get their way into Kiddock Stadium, it's not like getting that home victory. So after getting a nice win in Week One against you and I, seeing some of the struggles again from Iowa offensively last week, I think that this fan base is a lot more hopeful than maybe they were during the summer, during the investigation with the gambling, hearing the names from Hunter Decker's and Jarell Brock and on and on and on that weren't going to be part of the team and certainly part of the team for this game against Iowa. I think that you feel a fan base that's much more hopeful and. And they're also hungry, hungry to get that win, get it at home, and have the Cardone gold to be able to celebrate together in their own stadium.
0: Trent Condon is uh, joining us here on the show, talking uh Cy Hawk this week, of course, one of the biggest games of the week in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, the quarterback position, Rocco Beck, do we feel like he's the guy? Does J.J. Cole um, work his way into the mix? I know they both played last week, but how solid is Rocco Beck, the starting quarterback right now?
1: I think he's rock solid, and I don't think short of him not playing well that you're going to see J.J. Cole. In fact, I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see Hughes, kind of the change of pace quarterback that they brought in from Juco, a big guy, a physical kind of runner, that we didn't see him against you and I at all. But if I had to make a wager right now, if Rocco Beck is playing even adequate, he's playing you know, C plus, B minus, type of ball game that we'll see any J.J. Cole. I think this is his job. I think we saw enough out of him last Saturday to say that he has command of the offense. He can make all the throws. He can make all the plays that they want to. He can move around a little bit too. I think he is the guy for the full go all 60 minutes on Saturday.
0: Okay. All right. That'll be uh, fun to watch. Now, this Iowa team uh, ranked gets a week one win. J.J. McCarthy now is at quarterback, the Michigan transfer. They're actually throwing the ball maybe a little bit there at Iowa. I, I mean, it, is this truly a different Iowa offense under Kirk Ferentz, or is uh,
1: do you have to see more to believe it? It looks like a lot more of the same. And, yeah, it's Cade McNamara there. Uh, we'd love to oh, have right. McCarthy, yeah. we got We got McNamara. You got uh, McNamara. That's you know, my he, bad. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, McNamara is a competent quarterback, and that's something they haven't had for the last three years of Spencer Petrus. More than anything, though, It's the offensive line, and they were great, I thought, in pass protection. They kept him clean. They kept him upright. They did really slow down the pass rush of Utah State. The concern, though, is what it's been the last two years. The offensive line couldn't run block, and though they have a talented stable of running backs, that offensive line was not good against a Utah State that not only – didn't return much starters defensively, but they lost before their game. Their best defensive tackle did not play in the football game, and that Iowa was still not even able to get to 100 yards rushing. That is a big-time concern against John Haycock and what he does week in and week out, year in and year out. The guy is an absolute wizard of what he's done with this Iowa State defense in a year-out, year-out process. I, I, I just don't think that Iowa, if they're not able to run the football that they're going to have a chance in this football game. It was really scary, really concerning. And Brian Ferentz, he was very good early in that football game, what they dialed up early. But once he gets past his scripted plays as the offensive coordinator, he's frankly bad. And you're talking a chess match between Brian Ferentz and John Haycock? I mean, this thing's over in two moves. This thing could be ugly in a hurry. Just because Brian Ferentz, he cannot adapt in-game. He's never shown an ability in seven years. As an offensive coordinator, being able to do it, that's a scary one here on Saturday for Iowa.
0: Wow. So you are it sounds to me, Trent, like you're buying more uh, Iowa State stock than maybe a lot of the national talking heads might be in this game.
1: I absolutely am. I already bought a ticket at plus four. I grabbed the number. When money lines are out there, I'm probably going to add a little bit more here. I just come back to the tried and true things that, that I believe in in football, and it starts up front. And up front, I definitely believe in this Iowa State front. I thought Dominic Orange, he was really good. An item, he was excellent as well up front. Uh, It was against a new offensive line for Northern Iowa. I get that. They had four uh, new starters that were out there. But I was just so impressed with what they were able to do. I really bought in. And though I have concerns still offensively, mentioned Rocco Beck. I think he's going to be fine at the quarterback position. Their offensive line has their own set of questions, I believe, in this football game. I think we're looking at a rock 'em sock 'em. This thing is destined for 16 13, 12 9, something like that. It's going to be low scoring. But with that, you're getting more than a field goal in this game. I definitely like the Iowa State side.
0: How about that? Now, you mentioned the concern. I mean, you got a young quarterback, uh, first Sci Hawk game. The Iowa defense is stout, as it always is, mm-hmm. right? So. Why are you not concerned, or less concerned, I guess, about the Iowa State offense going up against this Iowa defense?
1: I think more than anything, it is turnovers. And as Iowa, before last year, and even in last year's game, they won the turnover margin, and they did in the six-game winning streak before last season, it was turnovers. I saw enough from Rocco Beck that I believe that he's not going to make those turnovers, that he's going to make the smart play, that he's not going to force things. And because of that, I don't think that Iowa can win this game if they don't have a positive turnover differential, even maybe even a plus two or plus three. I believe in that much of this Iowa State defense, and, and that's what I keep coming back to. Iowa, you know, you see Cade and what he likes to do. He likes to try to force it into that window against the T.J. Tampa, against this defensive backfield. You saw in the first score of the game for Iowa State with the pick six. I think that that is something that is going to play into the hands of the Cyclones, and that's why I, I can't believe it because, Pete, this summer it was I couldn't buy enough of those those game day wagers, the the look-ahead lines that came out when different sports books were coming out and putting those early lines. And when they had the sci-hawk game, I was buying everything Hawkeye can. Now I'm coming back the other way, and I'm buying back the other way. That's where I came. Maybe it's an overreaction to week one, but that's where I am here today.
0: All right, Trent Condon is joining us here on the show. Uh, Trent, when you look around the Big 12 and you see the parity in this league, I mean, a lot of people have Iowa State near the bottom of the conference. But I'll tell you what, man, I look around this league and I'm like, I don't know who's going to finish in last place. I mean, Baylor had a terrible week one. I don't think they're as bad as they looked. Uh, Cincinnati, better than I thought they would look. Uh, Houston, better than I thought they would look, winning a defensive slugfest against UTSA. I mean, you look around this league. Is Iowa State a bottom feeder in the Big 12, or should we expect more?
1: You know, I think it's still fair to put them towards the bottom. We do need to see more out of this team. But I think, like you said, the bottom looks a little bit different. BYU, that was a, a questionable win against Sam Houston State, 14-0. Hey, you got the shutout, credit to them, but offensively that's a concern. Texas Tech, that was a tough spot going in. Thought they were going to be able to put it in cruise control up 17-0, and then the Cowboys came running back here. I think we need to see more, but one thing for outsiders from Iowa State, yeah, they were 1-8 in conference play a year ago, but how many of those coin flip games went the other way? Those coin flip games that Matt Campbell had been so good, you couple that with what they did in special teams. Actually, for the first time in the Campbell era, bringing in a dedicated special teams coordinator, I think that's huge for a team that has to win in the margins, that has to do those little things. I think that is going to be something that gives them an advantage. This is not to say that Iowa State's going to go out and go 6-3 and three in conference play or anything like that. But if a couple of those bounces go their way, can this team win four, maybe five games in conference absolutely i think they're that good they're that good defensively and the special teams look good on saturday if that continues absolutely this is a team that can get to bowl eligibility
0: oh very interesting okay all right we'll be watching that one closely then as well um trent i i just saw this at the time of our uh conversation and i want to ask you about it hunter deckers uh it looks like he's accepted a plea deal i mean is he is he done at iowa state or is is there any way that he makes a comeback
1: Since he bet on Iowa State athletics, I think his NCAA career is over. And, yeah, I certainly think that's the case from an Iowa State perspective, though they've said all the right things from what we've heard behind closed doors. His time as an Iowa State student-athlete is going to be over. And the likelihood that he's going to play not only at Iowa State but anywhere in the NCAA I think is going to be incredibly difficult. He's got a big appeal process to go through him. Yeah, it's a no-no to bet on sports in general as a student-athlete. But it is a completely different level when you're betting on your own team. And because of that, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for him to play any NCAA football again. I think his next stop is probably going to be at the NAIA level. He's from Northwest Iowa. There's a lot of programs up there, Northwestern College, Dort, uh, something like that. I think that's the likely destination that he's going to end up because it's going to be tough for him to play college football for the NCAA ever again. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there. Uh, Trent Condon is joining us here on the show. Always great to have him on as uh, they do outstanding work up there in Des Moines at uh, now one of our affiliates here on Heartland College Sports, KXNO Radio in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Trent, it's always great to have you on the show, and man. Thanks so much for being here. Always love the conversation. Thanks so much, Pete. Good stuff with Trent Condon. Hey, before you leave, would you be willing to take oh, I don't know, 30 seconds out and drop a five-star rating and review on this podcast. Um, that's all you have to do, and I get you a free Heartland College sports koozie when you do it. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll put it right in the mail for you, as I have done for hundreds of other people over the years on this show. So thank you guys so much for being a part of it, for taking out that time. It's going to be a great week of Big 12 football. we got much more content coming your way on the website on this show throughout the week at heartlandcollegesports.com take care